0: Hey guys, it's Dustin Wynn, and you are listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast. People talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us right now, we have Mountain Adventure Ross. Hi. We have Deep Sea Explorer CBS.
1: I wish there was something other than a Ahoy that I could think of for being a nautical person. <laughs> ahoy! No. Periscope down? Periscope up. Ross has a backpack.
2: Look out for the periscope.
1: <laughs> Look out for the periscope because it's I like, dangerous.
2: I like that you're trapped in the submarine, yet you're the underwater explorer.
1: Yeah. Because well, you inside of it.
2: How, you
0: can't open it when you're in the water, Ross. <laughs> and then we also have Arctic Adventure Theme Park, Rob. Woo! <laughs> Leave least when
1: you're at, it's fun. I'm mean,
0: going to have a... Until you realize how cold it is. I'm going to have, uh, like, a, a mush sleigh with penguins. Sweet. It's going to be awesome. fast as all hell when it goes down a hill, but then that's it. <laughs> and look out when I get down to the bottom, penguins, because I'm not stopping.
1: Take that, penguins. Man, it's always about death of animals in the show. Ah, <laughs> good times. last
0: time. Sometimes. penguins this time.
1: Well, they don't get out of the way. Yeah.
0: Hopefully that's a part of their training, they just, <laughs> they do, the, they do the penguin V. <laughs> the, <bee>. the rogue <laughs> dragon, and oh, it just pulls them wall with you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun, it's, it's fun for everyone, mostly me. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I like it.
1: Oh, oh my gosh, alright, well, welcome to Top podcast. Podcast, uh, here we're
0: episode number 99. Yeah. Oh. oh my gosh. Yeah, we're getting pretty close. I'll show you close. I, I think what we should do is ignore the next one. We ignore the next one. We, we might even just just skip it. We'll just
2: move to decimals for a little bit. We'll uh, do the
1: Marvel Legacy
2: and just jump it forward.
1: Yeah, jump it forward to nine hundred. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I like. Jump it forward to nine hundred. Then we come back for the reunion episode at number one hundred. <laughs> now. Some like something like that. Is that how legacy works? I don't know. Sure. Pretty sure Possible. I well I know there's gonna be one number one that deals with the Avengers of the Past, I guess. Hmm. So we'll see how that goes.
2: We get our past for that one
1: too. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I guess we could do a flashback to the first comics. We tried to do that originally with Mike when we wanted Origin Stories. We sort of try to do that in somewhere we've lost focus. So I guess we could recycle part of that.
0: <laughs> It'd be just like just like Marvel and D C. Start over again. The same crap. That's possible. I mean, if we really want to do it Marvel style, though we need to stop and start over at number one. Ah, and then, and then jump to nine hundred. Yeah, nice. So we could we could stop uh, just after the next two issues or two episodes. Yeah, and then wait until we get to episode like twenty three, and then come back and be like the
3: twenty fifth issue. <laughs> oh.
0: Uh, episode 125. Oh, you see what right. I'm saying? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. 125, yeah. 125 to the hundred. Yeah. Okay. yeah. that's what I was getting. Yeah. At. So if
2: we're starting over, do I get any new origin story? No. Dang it. You have to retell the
1: same one. Oh, I know. It's it's a rough. It is rough. All kidding aside, Marvel Legacy actually looks like it'd be pretty cool. We yeah. Captain America with his crazy wings back, which is awesome. So it'll be interesting to see where things go as far as stories. All starting points, regardless of them being 100-point issues, the only ones that really aren't are the one-shots. Because the one-shots are like follow-up issues that I'm not exactly sure where they land. So we're getting Silver Sable, uh, one-shot, Power Pack, one-shot. Um No one was like, you know what? they got Franklin in it. And I'm like, I guess. I don't I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. So we'll have to see who the cast is for him. Uh, yeah, Dark Hawk. Uh, I think Shang-Chi Master Kung Fu. Yep. I feel like there's one other one I'm not remembering, but... Anyway, stuff that looks interesting, as far as, like, ketchup issues, the Silver Stable, I really do dig that character. So, I think that's cool that she's getting an issue. Is it going to go anywhere? Meh. Now yeah, it's hard to say, that's not a real answer. But, all right, so let's do a little bit of news with, uh, Ross and the dog pile? God damn it! <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, they. Uh, so they had their uh, Nintendo Direct, and they announced that there's a whole bunch of third-party games that are not normal Nintendo games coming to Nintendo consoles. Ooh. So things like Doom, and Wolfenstein 2. That's crazy. And Resident Evil Revelations
0: 1 and 2. Which Wolfenstein just actually had a comic book start, like, last... Two weeks ago? Yeah. To yeah. to kinda gear up for the uh the Doom Bethesda yeah. Wolfenstein. Yeah. yeah.
2: That's pretty awesome because I mean the because of how the Switch works, that means you can take any of those games anywhere you go with you wherever. That's crazy. Which is a pretty insane thing for like Doom and Wolfenstein too in particular. Right. Uh what's Rockstar's LA Noir, which oh. is basically like an older Grand Theft Auto. That's set, crazy. More in the past.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a murder mystery one. Um, it's cool. It's not their best effort.
2: Yeah, that's kind of what I've heard. But, but interesting that it's coming to the Nintendo stuff. So yeah. yeah,
0: wow. Yeah, it's definitely not a uh, gosh all ages setup. I mean, I don't think Rockstar ever makes all ages. No, but like, really. it actually has some pretty. Graphic setups. You think worse
1: worse than stomping the heads out of small turtles?
0: <laughs> yeah, because, like, you know, you can forgive the head stomping because it's not super graphic. Oh, okay.
2: You yeah. know, it's kind of interesting, because I think Nintendo themselves don't enforce that misconception. But just because of the games that they make first party, usually, people have that conception about them. But, like, just last... Couple years, they made Bayonetta two for um, Wii, which is like a super super mature game, and that was actually published by Nintendo.
0: It's pretty sexy too. Well, that's it's true. Uh, It's the same way, kind of with comics. You know, you think DC and Marvel, yeah, oh, they're all ages, but you know, you get some pretty mature content in those things. Mm -hmm. They label them. Well, (laughs) it's true. I mean, there's, there's ratings for games, but you know. We, we know as retailers, people don't look. No, that's true. They don't look. That's a good point. Nobody,
2: Nobody looks. looks. So. Other news, Ross? So in other news, connecting back, I think we talked about Hellboy and Injustice you a while back. We did. Um, I mean, maybe two episodes ago. So some more Hellboy news is actually showed David Harbour, uh, the Sheriff Jim Hopper from Stranger Things. Right. They yes. showed his new version of Hellboy. Um, Ooh. Just a picture, but it's pretty cool looking.
1: Right on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as much as... I, I, I don't know what I feel about Hellboy moving forward. It looks pretty good.
1: Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I haven't actually seen the picture. And I like I like that actor just fine. And, like, the Stranger Things stuff was great. Um, prior to that, I mean, he wasn't the biggest name in the world, because he wasn't. But as far as, like, in general, like, he's, he's a decent of actor. But I'm pretty married to the way that our previous Hellboy looked. You know, I... It, I do dig it.
0: Yeah, Ron Perlman. Like, it's going to be hard for to, to to see anybody else as Hellboy, at least at first. But this is pretty close. Like, cool. You know, I was
2: going to say, and what's interesting is he looks a lot like the Ron Perlman Hellboy. too. Yeah. he doesn't look that far off. So. Uh, no,
0: it doesn't look like they changed. What him a lot. weird
1: choice, then. If you're not going to change him up so much, then why? What a weird choice. I guess maybe artistically, he maybe looks more or less stylized like Perlman, because Perlman's face is definitely Perlman's face. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, great. Right, he does happen to look like Hellboy, yes. so That's you know, there's true. that. Um, it does have less, like, it doesn't have some of the contours that they did in the Hellboy Ron Perlman day. Okay. But, I mean, it, it looks, it looks from legit, so we'll see. Cool.
1: Right on. Do um, we have any other news? That's all I've yeah. got. All right. It's good times. Um, uh, so today we're doing, uh, we're not doing a normal, well, our normal format, I guess. Uh, we're going to do, a, go over a batch of books we feel like if you missed, um, then you screwed up and you need to fix it. Um, and we have an interview from, uh, Colorado Springs Comic Con with Buzz. He does a lot of different shows, travels around with Neil Adams. The main reason Neil gets to go to a lot of the shows that he, or does what he does because Buzz helps him. I mean, Buzz, awesome dude. Um, it is a little more raw, just because Buzz is very off the cuff, um, if that makes sense. So, I, if i was rating it, I give it a mature raider, but it's hilarious. Well, I think it's funny. Maybe, I, I, maybe I'm wrong. I've been wrong before. That's your only warning, people. Otherwise, you know, enjoy because it, it's he's it, funny. He'd be really nice to, to you too. Like, pretty like super legit. Uh, so, Rob, you want to tell me some stories about some books? Yeah, um... How that screwed some... up? Well, maybe not me personally. But... <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. All right, so, um... Yeah, the first one we're going to go ahead and talk about is the miniseries, The Unworthy Thor, being written by Jason Aaron, with art by Oliveri Koppel. Awesome stuff. Koppel's got
1: a batch of, uh... More recently, a batch of the variant covers, that were, uh, the B covers for the Generations. He's done a batch of those. Not all of them, but a few of them. And he used... He's an awesome artist. Fantastic. Jason Aaron, you should know, from Star Wars and um, Thor, Mighty Thor, Avengers uh, vs. X-Men. So, like, dudes... Oh, and uh, uh, he, for Dark Horse, he was doing uh, the, uh, the Indian Reservation Police Officer. Scout. Sculpt oh, Scout. Gosh. Oh. I don't know why I couldn't remember
2: that name. I thought you were saying the title there for a second. That's Sounds long. like one, really of them?
1: No, "Scalped" is the title. Um, but yeah, anyway, not 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 new to comics, but has written a lot of awesome Thor stuff and X stuff. So anyway,
0: yeah. go on. Um, so there's a lot of great stuff that comes out of the unworthy Thor. One of the biggest reasons that you should be picking this up if you're if you're a fan of uh, Jane Foster Thor. Then the cool thing for this is that you're seeing what Thor is actually getting up to and, and you're having a more comprehensive idea of why Thor is no longer worthy of wielding the hammer. If you're not a fan of Jane Foster, and you just wanted to have a straight Odin son Thor story, this is going to be great for you in that regard as well. The big thing for me was this shed a lot of light on the whole idea of Thor thinking he's unworthy and why. What Nick Fury said to him on the moon affected him so much. The other side of it is you get Battery Bill being a complete alien horse face pimp in the book, which is awesome. <laughs> you get um, the return of story, you get a great integration of the movie look for the collector. Um, we actually get to put a damn stake in the Black Swan and in Approxima Midnight. Finally. Uh, so, like, maybe maybe they're not going to be these annoying characters that show up every time, you know, we turn over a damn rock. Oh, fucking approximate midnight, damn it. <laughs> um, which is terrible. It is. It is. It's surprising and scary. Yeah. Um, it also ushers in a new look for Thor. And it, for me, like, this was just a great affirming story. And the idea of bringing the ultimate. Thor hammer into the Marvel Universe I honestly thought it was going to be the stupidest thing that they could throw out there and it felt like a really easy step to just get Thor back so the execution on this was for me phenomenal and of course I'm a big fan of Thor so I was glad to have him come back to the series my selling point on it yeah I'm, I'm not going to lie there's points in here where we're seeing Thor shooting fire while he's screaming murder it's fantastic it's awesome if you don't know who Thor is, then this would be a book to check out. That's true, too.
1: Or better, Ray Bill. I mean, after all, if you don't know a horse-faced Thor, <laughs> then, you know, uh, that would be a good place to see him also.
0: In case you're not aware, you know. So, I mean, not, not only is this a, a great story to build... Um, let's, let's try that again. Not only is this a great-looking story, because it is. Right. Um... It's a great story to build the personality of who Thor is and where we're probably going with the Thor storyline. And although it's a little bit older now and we see the writings on the wall for, for like what they were setting up in the series, I think it's still really important and really worthwhile picking up. And if you're if you're new to Thor, this might get you more interested in it. And if you're kind of like down on the whole Jane Thos, Foster Thor thing and you, you don't understand why you can't just pick up the, man, the hammer again and just be Thor... This series was totally awesome, and it was really worth picking up, and it'll answer a lot of those questions for yeah, you.
1: Yeah, if you, if
0: you if you missed out on
1: it, then you you screwed up because it's it's really worth a read. I mean, Aaron's a good writer, and he's been knocking it out of the park with like Mighty Thor stuff for the like past four one two three three or four years. Yeah. so like awesome stuff. Even if you don't like Jane Foster, the stories are still written well.
0: There, there's some stories, there's some writers that when they get a series and they do something as prolific as he did with the God Bomb, when they kind of go back to that, it can be really annoying. Because it feels like they're kind of trumping their own horn, like, oh, look at the great thing that I did here. What would be a great part to improve this story? Oh, how about the story that I did before? Um, I feel like this is more building on... What he actually did rather than going back to, like, look how cool my old story was. Like, it just feels like this is a, a much more organic setup for that. Less so. return to the
1: well and more like, the well's still there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if that makes any sense at all
0: of explanation, because maybe it does,
1: maybe it doesn't.
0: You know, I, I, I have to imagine that Thor is a tough character to write, and it's always a pleasure with Aaron's writing it, or, you know, because he's bringing so much to the story and it's not just. Ah, throw in Oogluck, the rock troll, because whatever. you know It's not, oh, well, let's put server in again. You know it, it feels like we're really moving forward a lot with this stuff. So. Right. Sweet. All right. So uh, the next one I'd like to talk about is going to be the Flash. Um, the issue that I'm going to be mostly talking about on this is 16, but we're actually talking about the whole Rogues Reloaded kind of mini- that's appeared in the series. It's probably been the Story last... Yeah. yeah, the last, like, um, probably five issues for it at this point. Uh, the cool thing for this is that if you've been following the ropes since New 52, there's been a lot of changes. One of the big things, of course, is that everybody in D.C. got younger, but they kind of wanted to uh, pop up the the ropes, and so instead of having them all have... The gun gimmicks and this and that, they wanted to make powers internal.
1: Well, yeah, and
0: most of them, I mean, like,
1: Captain Cold started out with the cold powers energy.
0: Yeah, for so. the 52. Um And, I mean, that, that was all cool, but... It, it was Captain Cold. It did break <laughs> a lot of the idea... You know, Sorry. It Don't did break, break out, a lot of the idea of what the rogues were. Right. And so, as we've moved into Rebirth, they've been trying to kind of backpedal that and remake the rogues more like their classic counterparts. Um, and it's been a little tricky. Uh, along with that, the rogues have had a lot of situations where they've been heroes, and they've actually helped the Flash. Um, so the cool thing for this story was it was kind of the rogues' last big heist, and they're all supposed to be out. And they wound up having a great story storyline where they're trying to trick the rogues, and we're highlighting each of the different powers of, of the rogues and how their particular part plays into the rogues being this great master criminal group. Uh, and it all culminates with issue 16, where the Flash actually finds, you know, he winds up, of course, catching them on the very last moments of them escaping. And Captain Cold reveals a new a cold gun, what he calls a dark ice gun. And we see that, you know, the, the code of the rogues, if it was to be broken, like, it's not a matter of, like, the Flash can't be beat by these guys. It's a matter of, like, if Flash is beat by these guys, that he's dead. And it was kind of a, a really interesting take to see, like, maybe how dangerous a group of characters that we kind of thought were jokes mm. can be. And they play up the strengths of most of these characters really well throughout this series. Um, it also sees a turning point at the very end of, with where they're going to go with the rogues, as um, Captain Cold takes on the role of more of a kingpin of crime. Instead of trying to just run the rogues, why not just run all the crime? It's
1: crazy. That makes sense. You're going to be the boss of things. Might be the boss of everything. He's had the most, like, shift, I think, really, because he went from thug to Justice League member, kind of back to, like, thug to kingpin. So, like, shift-wise, these characters had a lot of motion from 52 to now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair sway in
0: there. So, mm-hmm. it's definitely interesting. And I really like the Flash series, but starting with the, the Rogues Reloaded series, the kind of nice thing was we were able to kind of push Wally out for a little bit and just have a straight Flash story and the Rogues. And I thought it was really well done. They didn't have to pull off any side stories and have, you know, any more relationship stuff with Iris in these issues, because all we needed to do was have Flash and the Rogues.
1: Regardless of which Flash it was, Barry or Wally.
0: Well, in this case, it's Barry. Well, yeah, you know, it's Barry, because it's Barry's book, but... Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, previously to this, we've had a lot of Barry Allen, and you know, both Barry Allens, actually, appearing in a book and training time and, like, getting getting the kids ready to be Flash. And, I mean, that's fine, but this was so legit; it was a nice uh, breath of, of kind of fresh air into the into the series for me. So, cool. um, probably you are going to be looking for Rogues around issue twelve. Uh, chances are, if you are going into trades, it's probably called Rogues Reloaded. But yeah,
1: I am guessing trade wise, it's probably trade three or four yeah. you know, series wise.
0: Who's writing that one, Rob? It's actually Josh Williamson, who's the same writer who's working on Birthright, which is a fantastic series. I've been. A huge fan of for a while. And he's actually been working on the entire series, even though we've had a bunch of different artists kind of come and go sure. on the series. But well, yeah, artists. Or at least I should say, the entire series up to this point. Right. Uh, I mean, in the future, there may be other writers or but...
1: <laughs> Right. Cool. Good stuff. Yeah, Williamson's, like, really turned up a lot in a bunch of different stuff lately. I mean, I think the first time we saw him was probably three years ago in the... Holiday Special, the DC Holiday Special, mm. and then, like, after that... Haunted Mansion.
0: Yeah, Haunted <laughs> Mansion. <laughs> Which was supposedly actually a pretty legit book. I mean, I, I didn't give it a lot of credit, but it was actually not bad. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> for being, like, a weird spoof off a Disney ride? Yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. Well, I mean, for me,
0: the story about the ride... Was, well, it was super interesting, too. Yeah, right? it was It was a better sell than what they were putting in the, the book's uh, previews and stuff. Yeah. Right? You got another one Rob? Uh Yeah. And we're going to do uh, Sam Wilson, Captain America, number 20. Like, this is great, great artwork. So, once again, this is actually the, We can say the culmination of the entire series, but probably the last four issues up to, up to issue 20 has been building to this. One of the big things that we're doing in the Sam Wilson, Captain America story, is Sam started thinking that Captain America should be more than just a symbol who who stands up for tyranny, or stands up against tyranny, but somebody who actually, like, uses his political position to kind of change the way that people think about social issues, which is something that Steve Rogers never did. Um, one of the big things about the series when I first started was dealing with Sam coming in and helping these uh, illegal immigrants that are being preyed upon by the Serpent Society just to find out that S.H.I.E.L.D would then drop down and deport the people and kind of asking this big question, like, well, what is right? What is morally right for this situation? And it was something that I thought was really neat because it was something that we'd never really dealt with. Um, at times, the series can get a little preachy in that regard, but the cool thing for this particular storyline is that we brought in a character called Rage, which was a, a big member of the New Warriors and also a part of the Avengers. Rage is actually, um, I think, like 17, maybe, 18 now, maybe. But because of the things that happened to him that made him a hero, he looks like he's a 20- or 30-year-old man who's just really, really fit. Well, he characterised been around
1: since the 80s. Yeah, he's but he was, he was always like,
0: really young, just with this adult body. Um the big thing that's happening in this story is that crime has gotten so kind of out of control on the streets that they brought in a, a private police force called the AmeriCop and the AmeriCops don't have anybody who's actually overseeing them. And since they're a private organization, the oversight isn't the same as the police force. In doing so, the AmeriCops have actually used a lot of like probably excessive force on all kinds of different people. But, the one that we're of course dealing with the most is the African American people, which leads rage to really rebel against them and attack the AmeriCops. cops. Um, I think a lot of what we were seeing kind of going on in the country is like related in this book, at least at the time, to you know how how the political system is looked at, and you know if if you can't believe in. Law enforcement. Then, who do you believe in? I,
1: mean, I don't want to say this was going on during the same time the Ferguson stuff was yeah. happening. So, yeah, it definitely was. politically and worldwide. Yeah, I mean, I, you, it, I would say if it wasn't
0: influenced by that, that's weird. Yeah, considering how this thing's written. Um, in this particular, in these last particular issues, the ones that we're really kind of focusing on in this particular, like you need to read these stories, is. Um, We'd actually just came out of a whole story where both the New Falcon and Rage are kind of rebelling against this lady that's basically like a white supremacist who's come to this college campus to try to say like everybody should have their own opinions and my opinion is just as valid as uh, you know anybody who who wants to be multicultural or whatever. while she's out doing this, of course, you know, Falcon's like, why should she even be able to have these opinions? This isn't, you know, this is totally wrong. And so he flies in there to talk to her, and she starts, you know, going off about, like, well, what is your legal status? You know, are you even supposed to be in this country? Are you a legal immigrant? And as he's, like, scrambling to try to keep up with what she has to say, this whole group of uh, college activists show up with grenades, to attack the stage, about how this is a free speech zone. This is a free zone where you can't, you know, everybody can have their own opinion, but you can't have your opinion because it doesn't fit what our opinion is. And, like, throw these grenades out, and he winds up actually having to defend this white supremacist lady. Um, The big thing that comes out of this is that we basically start seeing, like, not everybody's right, and, like, every idea can be pushed too far out of bounds and become a tyrannical kind of concept. right? So right on the heels of that happening, Rage is going home, and he sees a robbery taking place in this um, little pawn shop. And when he goes in to try to stop it, it's Speed Demon and this guy, Marco, who's an, another like, pretty heavy hitter in the DC universe. I'm sorry, the Marvel universe. Um, and Rage tries to kind of stop them and apprehend them. In the process, he winds up actually being knocked out. And the AmeriCops show up, see him in the broken up building, and just assume that he's robbed the place, and just start attacking him and beating him down, even though he's, like, almost unconscious on the ground. He winds up getting dragged away, thrown into jail. And Sam Cap is like, oh, this is totally wrong. You know, you've been arrested for a crime that you never committed. And Rage is like, no, no, I'm going to face these charges. I'm going to beat them in the court system. Because if I don't beat them in the court system, it just shows that the courts are broken. And so he's trying to make this big political thing about not having the Avengers help him and not having Sam help him. In the end, it goes all the way to the point where he's convicted, sent to jail, and then put in the max super mutant um, prison section. And then, of course, is beaten to brain death in the prison. So, like, we actually come out of Issue 20 with Rage, who may not be one of the most important Marvel heroes, maybe even a, a character that you didn't know, but we just went through all this stuff with him to have him now be brain-dead. Because he's trying to stand up for his own, you know, this this kind of belief of, you know, the system can fix itself. Or the system needs to fix itself, and, and you need to have somebody who says it's wrong to make it be fixed. Right. Um, honestly, it says a lot of political stuff, and maybe it's too much, but it made some really, really neat stories, and it's a story that you don't read a lot. Right. So, very, very impressed with it. I know it was a long time to get to that point, but I was, I was pretty surprised. Like, random. You know,
1: Whenever you <laughs> connect things real-world-wise into books... It can get too, like you said, you can get get preachy. But as far as, like, uh, end all, be all, I mean, Spencer's a good writer, so that part I'm not, I don't have any problem with. And the art is, like you said, is good on it. As far as Rage, I don't even know if they've actually answered anything about that since then. Like, I'm not current enough on where his status in the world is, so, but I don't feel like we've seen him since then. Yeah. which is kind of
0: a messed up way to leave a character just in general. It is. And because, and, I mean, like, this is its a little bit older now, and I i really do recommend people check it out because it's, it is is a fantastic story. But, yeah, I, I'm sure they've concluded it by this point, but I don't know what the outcome was yet. Well, for age, yeah. Yeah. I'll have to look into it. Closer. Ultimately,
1: Sam Cap runs into the Secret Empire, so... Yes. So, yeah. Far along than that, but I don't feel like Rage is eating. I don't, I don't feel like that was resolved. But I'm not sure about that. I mean, again, there are definitely pieces in that hierarchy of things I never read, so.
0: Anyhow, uh, Rob, you got one more to talk about? I do. Um, I want to go ahead and talk a little bit about All-Star Batman number 8, uh, being written by Scott Snyder and Giuseppe Camicoli. Doing the doing the pencils for us, and there is a backup story that's been going through a bunch of these. That's uh, it's Frank Villa doing the artwork for it, hmm. but uh, it's Scott Snyder still doing the doing the writing. All Star Batman Eight is actually building on stuff that that occurred in in six and seven, but most of these have been kind of standalone stories where they're highlighting just a single villain um, to kind of do an overarching story. 8 is super special because it's Mad Hatter. And, I mean, honestly, trying to write a story for Mad Hatter is probably super difficult. Um, they had a great thing in the beginning of the New 52 with him in Detective Comics, but for the most part... He's the Mad Hatter. He's the Mad Hatter. He's not the guy that you think of like when you want to do a big, overarching story. Um, so, the awesome thing for this is that there was a Elseworlds story told a little while ago by, I think it was Grant Morrison, our Grant Morris, uh, where Batman was never really a hero. He was just a delusioned guy who was fighting against Alfred, who was painting himself up like the Joker.
1: Well, Alfred was keeping the dream alive, even though Batman was a portly man. Yeah. So, yeah, all the villains were Alfred. Uh, All the villains were Alfred. (laughs) It's it's a pretty depressing story,
0: actually, but yeah. yeah. At least for me it was. And some people thought that was incredible, and some people thought it was a heaping pile of Fraggle Rock. Um, But this story actually takes that idea and turns it into something really fantastic, and it kind of sneaks in and can make you think like, how much of this is real? You know, uh, In the end, probably none of it's real. But we are introduced to how Bruce and Jervis Tetch first met. And they do some sneaky stuff going all the way back to Zero Year, when Batman was running around, for whatever reason, with the R hat. And kind of plant this idea in our head that Jervis gave him one of the first mind control devices in that hat. And that the the first mind control device that he built was instead of completely controlling you, it was just to like reskin reality for you. So you gotta see the world however you wanted it to look. So for Bruce, it became Batman and it was just a fantasy. The idea that all of the villains that he faced off against are actually people that he knows in his life that were his friends that are now trying to find a way to, like, break the delusion of Batman. To bring him back to, uh, to just being Bruce Wayne. And that's kind of what like, most of the story is. is it's really trying to kind of push you to this idea that... The Batman is super, what, super crazy? What you've known all this time might be a lie, and that Bruce is actually this broken individual in a wheelchair who's just living the fantasy of Batman, cool. and it's, it's done so well, and in the end, it's Batman's willpower that overcomes it, you know, the, the fantasy that creeps into his mind, you know, can't beat his will, and in the end, like Total Recall, is it possible yeah, it's possible that his his final decision was to uh, to stay with the fantasy instead of the reality. So they kind of leave that a little bit up to us, but uh, you know, in the end, we have to we have to carry on the story, and so uh, it's not so good for Tetch at the end of the at the end of the story. But it's it's a really really well done issue, and so even if you don't pick up the issues in between, pick up eight because it's. You'll blow it away. Nice. Uh, the Frank of stuff unfortunately will not help you because that that actually is a more overarching story than an issue itself. But
1: well. uh are backup stories that connect directly. Yeah. The rest of these stories are like painting a bigger picture so they connect like, they just connect in
0: a kind of a sideways sort of way yeah but uh, yeah I mean honestly it, there's not going to be a lot of times that I can think to myself that I'm going to go oh did you read that Man Hatter story freaking brilliant No, yeah this one doesn't it actually is a really really well done story uh, our work for it is fantastic as you, as you read the issue you're getting glimpses of who uh, like his version of Joker and Bane and Catwoman and Harley Quinn This might be who they are, but, oh, this could also be who they are in reality. Um, As Jervis talks to him, we see him twisting further and further and becoming more of this Dermontra's kind of creature as he gets more hold over Bruce's psyche. Uh, I think the only thing I came walking out of this one with was if this isn't... not all in uh, Batman's head, Know, does Jervis actually know Batman and Bruce Wayne are the same person? Like, That's an interesting they question. mention it a lot in here. Mm-hmm. And it's always kind of a question with the Mad Hatter what he knows and what the device does for him. Right. You know, so um, the nice thing for this was there was only a little bit of an uh, Alice in Wonderland connection. Which typically with Mad Hatter can it's get a lot, so like, out of control. Yeah. You know? Um, so I. I for me, one of the best standalone issues. I, I'm really impressed with it for the All Star series. All stars not been—it's not bad, but I mean, it's not as good as the New Fifty Two Batman series was. But this series is, or this particular issue is definitely like a shiny story, and it's totally worth reading, even if you're just reading just one issue on its own. And if you're gonna read one issue of the Mad Hatter. Issue 8 is the way to go. Issue 8 for All-Star Batman. For okay. All-Star Batman,
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right on. Well, as far as, like, setup, yeah, I... I mean, if you've listened to the show at all, you know I've had my issues with the All-Star Batman series in general, but as, as far as this particular storyline, or this particular issue, yeah, I know it's good stuff. Yeah. And as far as, like, a one-shot, to just test the water, yeah, it's a good one.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it, for me... Here's the tricky thing: it outshines the Mister Freeze and the Poison Ivy story that came before this, right. which is kind of a hard thing when you're Mad Hatter. Right. That's a good so. That's a good endorsement, especially considering the character.
2: Yeah.
1: Sure. Right on. Me. Let's go and run the. Uh, we're going to run the little interview here with uh, Buzz. Uh, this is again from the uh, Colorado Springs Comic Con 2017. Uh, so uh, yeah,
2: play
1: it away, Ross. Hi, this is Steve the Top Five Comics Podcast for the uh, Colorado Springs Comic Con 2017, and I'm here with Buzz. Hi, Buzz. Uh, you do a lot of shows, man. You travel around quite a bit, right?
3: Well, yeah. Well, conventions have become a huge business, you know. Um, and the word convention itself become part of the lexicon, too, so, you know, even the non-pop culture, you know, fans want to find out what these things are, so, I mean, without exaggeration, it's like one to five Comic-Con convention every weekend. This is all year long, you know, Man. so, yeah. So hey, you know, why not? So I attend a lot of these shows, yeah. Right. Right. Well, like when, when did you get into art, man, just in general? Um, well, you know, just like you guys, I grew up reading comic books, and, you know, I wanted to be, you know, like those guys that drew those comic books since I was a kid. So, you know, I used to copy the work, and then I would go to a convention like this, and then show my work to all the pros, you know, any artists that would give me time of day, and then, you know, go home, practice, and one day try to be behind that table. And when I was about 17 years old, I was hired by Neil Adams to work for his uh, studio, and I've been, you know, doing comics and ever since. So it's been like 31 years. Yeah,
1: Man. that's awesome. That's that, that's awesome. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and, and also because I, I I I don't think I can do anything else to make a living, <laughs> you know. So draw funny pictures, right? You know, tell you know tell awful corny jokes. You know, try to uh, get into those uh, conversations like who would win in a fight between uh... Hulk and uh, you know Captain America, stuff like that. And the answer is you. You lose <laughs> because all of that time, arguing that shit, you could have been like you know talking to a pretty girl or
1: something. <laughs> That's awesome. Man. Like art-wise, like, art wise, like other, I mean, was Neil an inspiration to you, or did you have other inspirations
3: you followed? No, or? Um Neil was one of my big main inspirations, along with other artists. You know, it, it, there was like the hot artists for the you know for, for that period. I mean, I, I'm 48, so you know, my teenage years where you know the popular artists were like John Byrne and you know uh, George Perez, and you know, uh, so um, I, I used to read their work and try to draw like them, and and then when I figure out that I could easily draw like them after a while. I wanna know if there's more to it. So I started looking at more uh more serious artists and more realistic, you know, uh, illustrators and like, you know, Neil and, you know, Yam Busemer, you know, uh Craig and, you know, all the classic guys. And I found out that if I want to draw like any of the modern guys, I should look at who they were inspired by and just go right to the source, you know, go to the roots. And that's where I developed you know my style which is I have several and uh, you know so yeah that's how you do it
1: <laughs> right so if people get your artwork I mean do you have a website or?
3: yes my website is very easy to remember uh, it's uh, www.justbuzz.com J-U-S-T-B-U-Z-Z dot com uh, you can find me on Facebook uh, you can find me on Instagram uh, and it's uh, artistbzz on Instagram A-R-T-I-S-T artist B-Z-Z and I am always uploading artwork, you know, and sometimes, you know, directly from the convention, you know. And uh, you can follow me on Facebook. And if you happen to get on my personal Facebook, uh, you know, not only art, you get to see a lot of, um, you know, bathroom, bathroom humor, <laughs> you know, borderline racist, horrible, you know, jokes. You know, self-deprecating humor too. Uh, You know, and then when I'm not banned from Facebook for posting a lot of inappropriate content, I'm actually on there. You know, (laughs) discussing art and and current events with with my fans and friends. Yeah. Right.
1: Uh, So if you're stranded on a desert island, right, take five items with you. I would
3: fuck Marianne, Uh, (laughs) and it would not be Ginger. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't even know what the question is. But go ahead. If <laughs> you could take five items with you, items can also be people. What would you take? Uh, well, if I have to treat people like items, Marianne. No, 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 no. Five items. Uh, you know, that's a that's a tough question. Um, well, a, a good knife, right? You know. So for survival, you know, to uh, you know forage for food and stuff, right? Um, let's see. A, a good book that's worthy of rereading. Right? Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. And if if it had to be a person, see that's the thing too. It's like I was gonna say, well, a uh, beautiful woman. But you know, I'm gonna tell you something. She could be the most gorgeous person in the world, but you you stuck on an island for after a while, you want to kill her. You know, it's like <laughs> that's where the knife comes in handy, right? No, 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 no. It's like oh, you want to go on the island and murder somebody? No, no, no. <laughs> And the other thing is um, my drawing utensils. Sure. And uh, a, a, maybe a really, really thick uh, drawing pad that I can right. do work on. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that would be it.
1: All right. Yeah, um, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your go to karaoke song?
3: Um, uh, Kung Fu Fighting by Carl Douglas. Like, I had that in the chamber, right? Right away. <laughs> awesome. Like, yeah, man. <laughs>
1: Alright, so if you lived in Fantasyland, land, yeah. you to ride a chocolate pony.
3: I, would I write a chocolate pony? Are you are you saying that? Would I like to get fucked in the ass by a big black dude? I'm not saying, saying but it's not a euphemism. No, it's, it's not, not, a not euphemism. euphemism. <laughs> not a euphemism. Uh, uh, no, no. <laughs> it would be messy, right? It will be too, man. Chocolate pony, man. shit right? Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm in more like the uh, the you know uh... the strawberry shortcake or the lemon meringue kind of, kind of guy. <laughs> No, no, no! I shouldn't I mean, say lemon because I'm all in that old enough to go lemon party. No, no, that's not good. Awesome! Awesome to you found. No too. problem. No, all <laughs> right, my pleasure, guys.
0: One
1: oh. <laughs> well, thanks, Buzz, for taking time to chit chat with us a little bit. I was when I was up in the Colorado Springs, kind of wanted to hang out with Leroy and, uh, and his wife, Corinne. And Leroy and Corinne introduced me to Buzz, and so like. People-wise, good people. Like, funny guy, just raw but hilarious. Um, anyway, great artist too. I mean, if you get a chance, he does a lot of shows. So, um, just look around for him. I mean, the art's great. So, if you have if you get a chance to check him out, he's definitely fantastic work. Um, so let's see.
0: Uh, do some things we learned. Rob, what did you learn today? I learned that. Battery Bill is a horse space space pimp.
1: That is a good thing to learn. If you didn't know, now you know.
2: There's a rap song about that that has words afterwards I'm not supposed to say. Ross, <laughs> what would you learn today? I learned that uh, Thor he likes to breathe fire and scream murder at the same time.
0: That's correct. <laughs> that
1: it's a hard thing to do, breathing fire and talking. Not easy to do at the same time. I'm pretty sure it's murder fire. That's, <laughs> That's awesome. It's
0: even better. Uh, Rob, what did I learn today? You learned that you can do a great story with, uh, the Mad Hatter, and that, uh, if he was in a delusion, he probably couldn't die if he was suffocated underwater.
1: Wow. <laughs> that is a, that is a good thing to learn, especially yeah. when you drown a lot in your dreams. I, yeah, where you go? Occasionally I have my nightmares. They're yeah. not good. Not good. I don't
0: know if that's a great thing to learn.
1: About. Well, it's good to know that you don't die in it. It's like when you fall off a tower thing in the dream. You usually don't hit the ground. That's true. The way I understand it, you do, then you die. Say, I've never hit the ground. Usually I turn, and then I wake up. That's a recurring nightmare for me. <laughs> now y'all know. Now you know. There's that song again. Gotta quit listening to the rap music, the Ross. <laughs> Rolling like a pimp, always.
0: <laughs> well, uh... Robbie has books to watch. Just had the... There's a flash there for a second of those uh, two old... Uh, rappers at the had a colorful name for for jesus <laughs> <Just popped right laughs> in my perfect that is
1: sorry it's good stuff bro it's good stuff. um if you know what he's talking about good for you
0: yeah it is it is hilarious jesus is my n-word yeah oh yeah just, just check it out on youtube it'll change <laughs> your mind change your life maybe they're religious rappers yes yeah, they're very, very uneducated in what they're doing, but... <laughs> anyways... The white people. Yeah, uh, keep your eyes out on Flash. It's actually been a fantastic series so far. Um, the, the Rebirth series has been great for it, and their use of Kid Flash so far has been great. So, uh, Astonishing X-Men, of course, has been really, really good. Um, Birthright has been fantastic, so these are all things to to keep an eye out for. And then, uh, down the road, we've already got Batman Shadow, so we're going to get Shadow Batman.
1: Yes. That should
0: be cool. Um, Mr. Ross?
2: So we're a little bit closer to, uh, Hot Dog and the Werewolf coming out. That's true. It's going to be awesome. And then they also recently announced, uh, Batman Ninja Turtles 2. So not the animated style, but... The actual On the Batman the, side of things. The so, yeah, the first one. So, so the
1: DC versus the
2: IEW. You know, yeah.
1: Well, IEW... Did Not that. animated style. Yeah. The last one
2: was all animated style. This one's going back to the comic book style. Right.
1: Well, the DC did the first one. IEW's released the second one. So <laughs> hierarchy-wise, sort I, of sequels, but they don't really connect. Yeah, two
2: different stories. This yes. is actually a continuation of that first story. Right, yeah.
1: right. Right on. Um, Let's see. Well, I give you uh, Venomverse. Uh, So far, we're a couple issues into it, and we've had the one-shots happen, and it's been pretty good. Like, I've liked it. Um, I mean, yeah, the concept... uh, The villains we want to be in here are definitely a newer kind of thing, which I dig. Yeah, the edge of the Venomverse kind of recycled what Spider-Verse did, sort of, but it was good, Um, and I'm definitely digging it. Colin Bun's awesome, so... Writer-wise, it's great, and art's been really good, too. Uh, other than that, I mean, Uncanny Avengers has been really good. Like, the last few issues, we've had this whole Rogue and Scarlet Witch storyline going on, and it's pretty freaking great, and I don't think enough people pay attention to that book. Yeah, um,
0: it's, it's, a, it's actually a really tremendous title for Pretty for legit. Months. Like, this whole, even
1: back at the beginning of it, the whole, like, well, maybe at the beginning, the second run, when they went back to the storyline, going with the Red Skull. Like, the first batch was pretty good, it came out weird timing-wise. So now, trade-wise, you'd be okay. But as far as the rest of it, once it picks back up with the Red Skull storyline, awesome. Like, all the delusional stuff with X-Men happening, great. Um, So that's more of a throwback, I guess, than something coming out soon, or books to watch. Mm, That's still happening. That's true. So So, that's a good point. Um, Spirits of Vengeance, I'm pretty excited for. Uh, We're going to have a new book with uh, Blade. And uh, a Ghost Rider and oh, Simon yeah. King. So I'm pretty uh, stoked for for that book,
0: just because I like those characters. And Robbie Rannis, as far as I understand, is still continuing, but this is going to be Johnny Blaze. Yes.
1: Ghost we're, so we're more of the cloud, more of the Blaze, so like the old, the older Ghost Rider. Yeah. So yeah, as far as like stories are concerned, I'm pretty pumped for that. I mean, I dig those characters. And Blade hasn't had a normal series he was in. I mean, he shows up and belts people out. He even showed up during uh, Secret Empire. He showed up in, like, issue f- five, I think, of Brave New World. Mm, he, yeah. like, shows up, bells people out, and he's like, Blade, and then he leaves. So, like, often he's going to be in a regular series, I guess. So I guess we'll see how it runs. But I'm stoked for that thing. And I think it would be great. Uh, I guess, I mean, I like there's other books, but... Oh, there's, there's always other books.
0: Yeah, that's true. I'm sure we forgive more than we ever say.
1: i uh, take that. Books, you and your beliefs. Books, beliefs. Yes. Anything else?
0: I think that's. Lots and it. quiet.
1: This episode is because you've been drinking.
0: Yep. That's my life. Well, he's got a new boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was
1: a throwback to last week. All right. Uh, well, I guess that's it. Uh, tiki? Tiki. Taki. 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 should never do that again with my mouth should I? No. Not no, ever. Okay. not gonna do it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a it's <robot>. a good one. <laughs> <calf>.
3: Scissors. <laughs> taki. 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 Taki.